morning. The scripture reading is Proverbs, starting the second, excuse me, starting the 12th chapter, the 26th verse, and then ending the 27th chapter, the 6th verse, and the 10th verse. If you'd like to follow along, it's printed on page 6 of your bulletin. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. One who has no sense shakes hands in pledge and puts up security for a neighbor. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Many curry flavor with a ruler, and everyone is the friend of one who gives gifts. The poor are shunned by all their relatives. How much more do their friends avoid them? Though the poor pursue them with pleading, they are nowhere to be found. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. Or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family. And do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. Thank you, Jessica. We are... Continuing today in our study of the book of Proverbs and looking at this topic of wisdom as it applies to all different spheres of life. Uh, A couple weeks ago we started it looking at wisdom in general, what is it? Uh, Then the week after we talked about wisdom for our words. How do we communicate in an effective sort of way? Last week, we talked about wisdom for our plans and our decision-making, how we relate to the future. Today, we'll look at another good one, uh, something relevant to all of us, of course, and that is uh, wisdom for friendship. Wisdom for friendship. Let me say a word of prayer before we look at this. God, we're asking for your help to give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive from you. So we pray that you would speak truth and grace to us in exactly the way that we most need it. Holy Spirit, you know us better than we know ourselves, and so please come and speak and help us to hear. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Daddy, Daddy, will I sleep in a tent? That was the big question in our family last week. When our daughter, our three-year-old daughter, learned that she was going to a summer day camp. Uh, Yes, honey, they call it camp, but not exactly. Will will I see a campfire? Uh, Well, it's more kind of like school. It's just down the street. Uh, Are we going to be in a forest? How do you explain these things to a three-year-old? And one who lives in a city. Eventually, of course, the conversation turned to the topic of meeting the kids, making new friends. How do you explain that to a three-year-old? 
talking to her about introducing herself, giving her words to say, what's your name? Getting to know one another, and of course, it was a moment, a poignant moment when she sort of wondering aloud, actually asked, what if the other kids don't like me? And you try to talk through that, try not to burst into tears, but I like you, right? <laughs> Talking about friendship. How do you explain this to a three-year-old? How do you explain this to, an, to a 23-year-old, a 43-year-old, a 73-year-old? Because it's true, isn't it? As Muhammad Ali put it, the great heavyweight champion boxer, Uh, Friendship is the hardest thing in the world to explain. Uh, It's not something you learn in in school, but if you haven't learned the meaning of friendship, you really haven't learned anything. It's hard to explain. It's hard to teach. It's hard to learn because so much about doing friendship is a matter of feel, isn't it? We approach it almost by instinct, Of course, the question then is, are our instincts right? Are they well-informed? Are they wise? As Ray Ortland, a scholar and pastor and author, wrote, he said, Wisdom is skill for living when there is no obvious rule to go by. That's what wisdom is. When just following the rules of life and even the clear commands of Scripture don't sufficiently fill in the gaps to all the nuances and all the challenges presented in life. This is especially the case with friendship. You don't learn how to do friendship well by reading a book or taking a class because friendship takes a lot of wisdom, doesn't it? Today, the the book of Proverbs is going to be a helpful source for us. It's filled with wisdom for making friends, keeping friends, being a friend. And we're going to look at a selection of Proverbs. Jessica read several of them for us, to us. We're going to look at three big categories here. First of all, the value of friendship. We're going to look at different threats to friendship. And then lastly, ingredients of friendship. It's not meant to be Friendship 101, an exhaustive treatment of everything related to friendship, uh, but we're going to just touch on some aspects of the value of friendship, threats to friendship, and ingredients of friendship. So first, the value of friendship. Let's take a look. The value of friendship. The book of Proverbs is just filled with statement after statement about the importance of friendships, the power of true friendship. For example, Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity, for a time of adversity. In the world of sports, there's a phrase, fair weather fans, you might be one. No, Uh, you know, this, of course, is a fan, people who cheer for a team only when they're winning. Uh, fair-weather fans. This proverb is telling us that there are people that you might call fair-weather friends. Uh, You know, only showing up when life is sunny. A true friend is someone who loves you at all times, even in times of adversity, maybe especially in times 
of adversity, even in the worst of times, and not just when times are tough out there, there's circumstances of life, but even right here in our relationship, hanging in there, persevering through thick and thin. Friends are ready to help. Friends keep their promises, even when it hurts. Friends are loyal, available, self-sacrificial. We're listening to Proverbs 18.24 here. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We can't make it through life, we're told here, with unreliable friends. You'll come to ruin when you've got no one else to lean on, no one else to challenge you, to sharpen you. This is how important, how valuable friendship is really is an incredible gift from God. But quality is more important than quantity. The first part of that verse actually can actually be translated, not one who has unreliable friends, but also a man of many companions, which then is being compared to a man, a friend, a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In other words, you can have a lot of acquaintances, and you can even be really popular, but what you really need is a close friend. And what you really need to be is a good friend. Someone that you can call a brother, a sister. In fact, we heard the Proverbs say there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I mean, let me ask you, what's, what's the highest form of human relationship? Is it family? What is it? Sometimes the Bible's answer to that question is friendship. Why? Well, a family member is actually obligated to take care of another member of the family. To stick with you. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That's what a family is supposed to do. But you realize a friend chooses you. Chooses to stand by you. A friend loves you and sticks with you despite seeing all your flaws. A friend is one who sticks with you through the hard times, who sticks with you even after being hurt by you, not because they have to, but because they choose to. That's a friend. And this is what helps us make sense of Jesus' teaching in John chapter 15 when he says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone, what? Lay down his life for Whom? A friend. No greater love than the love of friendship. And of course, Jesus wasn't just talking about a general principle. He was ultimately talking about himself. This is what's so powerful about the Christian faith. At the heart of it all is a story of a God who, through his son Jesus, offers to be your friend. Hallelujah. A God who is choosing to be your friend. A God who is a a reliable 
God, a God who walks with you and talks with you, a forgiving God, a God who sticks with you even through adversity, a God who not only rescues you from ruin, but who ruined himself. On the cross in his son Jesus, dying for us, suffering hell and judgment for us in our place. So that you and I would not be ruined by our sin as we deserved. This is a God who died for you and for me. A God who is a friend to you and to me through Jesus. Which means then that learning to be a friend, simply put, is learning to be like God. Becoming a friend of others is actually becoming more and more like the God who has befriended us. In the end, that's what makes friendship so powerful, so impactful, so valuable, so spiritual, so otherworldly, literally heaven coming down to earth through the gospel in the form of friendship. Learning to be a friend is learning to be like God. This is what makes it as valuable as it truly is in our lives. And would you pause for a second with me and consider if friendship really is this valuable, if the Proverbs are true, if this is how life really works, if we need friends that badly, do we live like it? Do we handle our friendships like this is true, like they are that important and central to our well-being and our flourishing? Let me ask you, when was the last time that the friendship factor was a major factor or even the defining factor in a major life decision? When was the last time where you decided to live or a job that you decided to take or maybe even how you decided to arrange your daily routine? When was the last time that pieces of life actually orbited around a friend you treasure. Because you can't say friendship is a priority if you're always making it accidental or incidental to the big decisions in life. And so you take this job or that job or you move here or there. Or you rearrange life's priorities and you move about throughout the course of your day and you wake up and you go to sleep. But you never really put that friendship piece first. Why is that? What might change in life, in the fruitfulness of life, if we actually started to treat friendship with the value that God has actually given it? The value of friendship. Secondly, let's talk about threats to friendship. It's valuable, but it's also vulnerable. There are things that actually make friendship difficult, that threaten to undermine friendship, to break up friendship. What are those things? There's a long list. We know it in life, but also in the book of Proverbs. Let me just touch on three of them. 
Three of them. Number one, threat to friendship, gossip. Gossip. Proverbs 16, verse 28. A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. I don't know if you know that the Bible actually has a lot to say about gossip. Tons of warnings, even found in the book of Proverbs. Enough so that it gives us reason to believe that most of us are probably doing it without even knowing it. You notice here uh, that Proverb doesn't say a person who gossip or one who gossips. It says a gossip. You can be a person that so habitually talks about other people that you can be described as a person, a gossip itself, yourself. Talking about people rather than talking to people, chatting about people's mistakes and misfortunes. You know, the reality is church communities can be especially vulnerable to gossip. Why? Well, because it's important for us to be called into each other's lives. We're supposed to know about what's going on. We're supposed to share transparently about our weaknesses and our failures. There are so many ways that religious communities can be engaged in habitual gossip and call it ministry. Call it community. Where you're talking about people's struggles rather than bearing their struggles. Where you're discussing an issue that you have a person with someone else rather than being in front of that person with tears, working it out face to face. And so what's the problem with friendship? Gossip, simply put, breaks trust. Because when you hear one person doing it about another person, you start to wonder whether they're doing it about you when you're not around. And the way it works is, the answer is, probably. It's a terrible thing. Maybe we don't give it enough attention. Maybe that's why it takes a word of wisdom from a book like Proverbs to put it back on our radar. Dear friends, Have you been gossiping about other people, talking about issues and people rather than actually tackling them with love and grace and perseverance? Is it undermining your friendships? Is it threatening intimacy in your life? Threat number one, gossip. Number two here, we're told about self-interest. What's a a threat or a barrier to friendship, self-interest, or selfishness? Look at Proverbs 19, verse 6. Mary, many curry favor with a ruler, and everyone, everyone is the friend of the one who gives gifts. Well, sometimes it's hard to tell what's really motivating a person's eagerness to be your friend, right? Do they really want to be with me or are they only here to get what they can get out of me? Do they really want your gifts? They want what you have to offer them. Sometimes if we're honest, the problem is us, that we ourselves, we seek friendship for selfish reasons. In other words, we use people in friendship. We use people and we call it friendship. I'm hoping they get me a job. Uh, Let me open a Facebook account just to promote my new album. 
Hey, old friend, nice to be reconnected with you. Give me power. Give me money. Or in the case of so-called friends with benefits, give me sexual pleasure or escape or recreation. One of the most deceptive forms of this using friends is actually using friends for friendship itself. We are not actually interested in the other person. You want the most of them so that you can feel like you have a friend. On the surface, it looks great, but at the heart of it is a commitment to myself. Selfishness. The worst kind of friend is the one who's obsessed with their need for a friend. Whereas, as the great American poet Ralph Waldo Emerson put it, the only way actually to have a friend is to be one. Christian author and pastor Eugene Peterson, so helpful in some words here I want to read to you. He's commenting on the rich friendship we find in the Old Testament between David and Jonathan. Peterson says this, each of us, all of us here, has contact with hundreds of people who the moment they set eyes on us begin circulating what use, or sorry, begin calculating what use we can be to them, what they can get out of us. They treat us less than we are, and if we are in constant association with them, we become less. But then he says this, and then someone enters our life who isn't looking for someone to use, is leisurely enough to find out what's really going on in us, is secure enough not to exploit our weaknesses or attack our strengths, confirms what's deepest within us, a friend. A friend. Are you aware of ways in which selfishness, even selfishness for a friend itself, might be threatening the wholeness and the joy of a friendship that you might have. Where you're in it, but only for yourself, rather than, as Jesus put it, to lay down your life for a friend. So threats, gossip, first of all, second of all, self-interest, third of all, the Proverbs has an interesting thing to say about money. Proverbs seventeen eighteen. One who has no sense shakes hands in pledge and puts up security for a neighbor or for a friend. It's almost fascinating because it almost gets down into the details of life in a way that we wouldn't expect the Bible to. And it's saying this, that there's one area of life in which you should be careful... Generous, yes, but careful about helping friends or neighbors. And that's with loaning money and expecting to be repaid. Uh, The book of Proverbs absolutely presses us to be generous with our possessions and with our lives, with our friends in times of need. But it tells us here, far better to give money or other forms of help outright, just give it, rather than expecting something in return. Because here's the bottom line, money complicates friendships. Have you experienced this? 
Maybe you're facing a challenge right now where that's the case. Whether with roommates and working out rent or in meeting someone's financial needs or maybe a family member, who knows? But money can complicate friendships. And this is the case even when you don't have a lot of it. Sometimes especially the case when you don't have a lot of it. Proverbs 19.7 says, The poor are shunned by all their relatives. How much more do their friends avoid them? Though the poor pursue them with pleading, they are nowhere to be found. Interesting insight. It can be hard sometimes to make friends when you're lacking resources, when you're hit by hard times. Some of you know this all too well. Money can complicate relationships. Are you aware of that? Are you seeing ways to navigate relationships in light of this? Threats to friendship. Thirdly and lastly, we're going to finish up by looking at three ingredients of friendship. Three quick ingredients of friendship. Number one, Proverbs tells us to choose well. What's a good ingredient, a good element, a good start to a friendship? Choose well. Proverbs 12, 26, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked lead them astray. Do you choose your friends carefully? Proverbs 22, verses 24 through 25, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Let's be clear. The Bible is not saying do not be friends with broken people. Otherwise, you wouldn't even be able to be friends with yourself. There is no human being that is not struggling with sin, that is not struggling with some vice, that is not working through some issue of brokenness in their lives. But understand, this here isn't just advice for teenagers. You know, why don't you just spend more time with the nice kids at school? Something like that. This is the insight that's being offered. Think about it. We become like our closest friends. We become like our closest friends. They have enormous power of influence over us in shaping who we are. And so let me ask you, if this is true, when was the last time you asked yourself, is this a person I want to become more like? Because if they become a close friend, you will become more like them. When was the last time you chose to spend more time with a friend because you simply admire a quality about them, their character, their faith, and you just want to get a little bit more of a bit of what they've got? Do you choose your friends carefully? Or negatively, of course. Are you aware of the company that you keep and the way in which they influence you, your character, your faith, your choices, your decisions? Because we become like our closest friends. And if that's true, then the process of becoming a friend of God is so vital, isn't it? 
to actually to know God with increasing intimacy, starting with understanding how much he offers us in his friendship towards us, forgiving us of our sins, loving us despite ourselves, walking with us and sticking with us with surprising loyalty. You get to know God in that way. Will you not also become like him in friendship? Isn't it true? Number one, choose well. Number two, second ingredient to friendship, nearness. Nearness, proximity. Look at this. Proverbs 27, verse 10. Do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family, and do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. In a time of need, this proverb is telling us, whether physical need when disaster hits you, or emotional need when personal disaster hits you, to whom should you turn? Of course, no one denies the value of relatives and family members wherever they are. And no one denies the value of friendships far and long and true, but still far. Here, this proverb is reminding us there's a unique power and benefit to friends who are just down the street. It's something we don't think about enough because in this digital age of communication, where it's so easy to keep in touch with people, through phone or through email or through letter, if anyone writes letters anymore. Tons of ways to maintain a friendship. And yet here we're told there's something unique about a friend that you can see and who can see you, especially in a time of disaster. That you might have friends, even good friends, even best friends on the other side of the country. And you might be in touch with them, and God bless you and praise God for them. That's important. But do you have friends here? Do you have friends that you can reach out to, not waiting for a call back, but simply on the other side of a door you're knocking on? A a friend who can see what you're going through without having to ask you because they're in your life and in your local community. What a thing to think about. How close geographically, physically, how near are your friends to you? There's some wisdom worth pondering. Thirdly and lastly then, ingredient of friendship here, wounds. We'll close with this. Wounds. What? You need wounds for good friendship? Proverbs tells us, yes. Wounds in two ways. Proverbs 27, verse 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. This is an invitation to have honest relationships where we're able to correct and even challenge one another. Do you have friends like that? The Proverbs actually go on and on about the danger of flattery. You know, just buttering people up and having relationships where you're just telling other people what they want to hear just to curry favor or to get on their good side or to stay on their good side. This isn't an invitation to reckless criticism. Rather, respectful, gentle 
challenge when necessary. Yes, it can be painful, but the wounds of an honest friend will help you grow. The wounds of an honest friend are essential to your growth. And some of us just don't want friends like this. Some of us only want friends that only believe what you believe exactly as you believe it, only agree with you all the time, only do everything that you tell them to, and you don't realize what you're really looking for then is not a friend, it's a golden retriever. Some of us aren't looking for a friend in God either for the same reasons. You're looking for a dog not God. And partly because too often we confuse being wounded for our good and being harmed for ill. Again, Ray Ortland, helpful teacher, makes this comment here. There is a difference between hurting someone and harming someone. There's a difference between someone being loved and someone feeling Loved. Jesus loved everyone well, and some people still felt hurt. They were not harmed by him. They were loved by him, but they felt hurt, so they crucified him. They killed him. If we don't understand this, then every time we feel hurt, we will look for someone to blame and punish. And some of us today are running from friendships and relationships because we don't know that difference. Because you're so committed to not experiencing pain or discomfort of any kind in your relationships, even when it might be the very thing you need to experience greater life and greater joy, that you would rather bail out on a relationship that challenges you, that confronts you, that even might hurt you, because you can only understand hurt as harm. And it's not true. And the best way we know that it's not true is because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Because of the way in which the pain that was inflicted on him actually did become wounds that gave life to you and me. His suffering, his death in our place. If that could be true of him, would that not not be the defining reality of all relationships? That relationships become fuller, more full of life, more like God, when even true wounds are applied in order to redeem and give new life. Dear friends, are you a friend? Are you a flatterer? Are you someone that can speak truth and then also forgive, bearing the wounds of others' sins against us? Can we be a friend like God is a friend to us? Speaking truth, challenging, confronting. A God who chooses us because he loves us, who doesn't back into friendship, who doesn't have accidental friendship with sinners like us, but with intentionality and the plan of eternity set forth to purchase you and me that we might be friends and that through that friendship with him that we might grow in wisdom, learning to be better friends one to another. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would help us because we're learning. I confess I need so much help in this area. But we pray that you would give us your spirit and we thank you so much that you've given us Christ 
Help us now to be better friends to one another, even to our enemies. Fill our hearts now with the story of Jesus, Christ alone, who lived and died and befriended us, who loved us so. Change our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and let's sing.